Welcome to Mental Healthy, where we share the stories and expertise of professionals working diligently in the field of mental health. I'm your host today, Dr. Kenyon Knapp. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mental Healthy Podcast. We're glad to have you with us today. I have a special guest today from Atlanta, Georgia, Dr. Jack Underwood. Uh, we're glad to have you here today, Jack. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, why don't you tell the listeners um, a little bit about yourself and where you're from and what you're doing now and things like that to sort of set the stage uh, as you talk about your topic today. Sure. Uh, well, I am currently an assistant professor at Richmond Graduate University teaching counselor education and supervision. And I also have a uh, private counseling practice by the name of Rise and Renew Counseling which I've been uh, the owner of for approximately almost 15 years now, uh, and that's serving the greater Atlanta area. Okay. Well, that's great. It, you're speaking from some experience, then. You're not wet behind the ears, per se, as far as therapy goes, which is good. <laughs> yeah, um, I do have some life experience as well. Uh, uh, in a previous incarnation. I, I worked in the broadcasting field for about 20 years and uh, kind of felt like I was not really um, resonating with that career at the time and and uh, kind of uh, felt called into the field of counseling and, and now I'm able to do some of the work for the greater good. Well, that's great. Well, Lord knows in today's world, with all, everything going on, we certainly need more therapists. So thank you for doing that. Absolutely. Um, well, I'll tell you, our topic today is a little different, which I really like because, you know, we need some variety and it's a spice of life, right? So you've mm -hmm. you, you've done some research on the topic of, quote unquote, self-love. So yes. th that, that, that definitely sounds different to me, and I think it probably will to most listeners. Um, give us an idea about, you know, how did you come to the idea of researching self-love? Like, where, where did that come from? Well, it, it's interesting in the therapeutic encounter, um, after you've been uh, meeting with individuals and couples and families and sitting with them in some of their most profound sufferings and uh, you know, disturbances and just, you know, life issues that they're dealing with, certain themes tend to emerge. And um, as someone who uh, sees mostly people who identify as Christian or persons of faith, one of the themes that just seemed like it, it kept uh, coming in and presenting itself over and over and over again were people who just were not at peace with themselves. And uh, as someone who uh, has tended to kind of uh, maybe simplify or assimilate uh, Christian themes down into the commandments of Christ, where we're kind of looking at these three categories of loving God, loving yourself and loving your neighbor, the self-relationship, especially in many of the Christian clients, seemed like it was really uh, suffering. And so uh, that became my, my focus. Uh, well, uh, okay, if that's the nature of the problem, uh, what does 
our field have to say about all of this. And interestingly enough, as I began to kind of delve into this, I didn't really see much in the way of research. And so um, I just had this um, inkling to um, look into this this concept of self-love and and if we haven't defined it, then uh, why haven't we defined it? And uh, uh, why don't we go ahead and, and uh, get about the business of defining it? And then we can start to uh, contemplate, okay, well, uh, how does self-love relate to um, relationship, psychological, career, uh, well-being, just our, our overness? overall wholeness as human beings. Um, and, and so uh, I boldly uh, uh, set out to define a concept that seems to pervade uh, our human existence, but uh, up until now uh, did not have a scientific definition. Hmm. Well, we probably could set the stage a little too from a biblical standpoint. Um, I know some listeners mm-hmm. come from a Christian background, others don't. But um, either way, the the background on this comes from uh, Mark twelve thirty one, where Jesus said you're supposed to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people get the whole yeah, love your neighbor, you know, be kind and loving and all that. But the, the idea of loving yourself seems a little, I don't know. Um, surprising maybe to some people, <laughs> or at least it seems like it would be surprising to me. I didn't hear that a lot growing up, you know, about yeah, loving yourself. Right, um, right. Yeah, so. and uh, I think in Christian circles, not not to generalize because, of course, there's a uh, such a, a large spectrum uh, in terms of how Christians uh, view their faith and how they practice it, but... <clears throat> I think that oftentimes what happens is um, this idea of self-love or loving yourself is seen as selfish or narcissistic. And that's not what we're really talking about because if you kind of contemplate that, um, that passage of scripture or what was being said there, it's saying that you're both loving yourself while you're also loving your neighbor or you're, both loving your neighbor while you're also loving yourself. There isn't anything in there, uh, which it's, it's not really funny, but uh, sometimes I'll present it as kind of funny that sometimes uh, what we Christians tend to do is uh, to love our neighbor, not as ourself. Um, Mm -hmm. Somehow that's been the message that has come down. And I think that makes sense. Um, there uh, are, are all kinds of uh, passages and scriptures and themes that we can look at in the Bible that uh, point to a type of self-sacrificing love. And when you look at the person of Jesus and how he gave his life for all of us, uh, what greater sacrifice is there than for someone to lay down their life? And so uh, that seems like a very uh, normal and, and uh, viable interpretation of scripture. However, um, when it comes out of disregard to 
the Christian who's practicing their Christianity, um, I think that's where we start to get into some psychological and relationship disturbances um, because now they're kind of um, coming at life from a type of dependence. So, okay, me feeling well about myself is dependent on the degree to which I'm able to help my neighbor. Mm -hmm. So think about it. Like, for example, if you go out of your way to really help someone and uh, to do all these things for them, and if that is what your well-being is based on, well, what if they don't really seem to appreciate all of this help that you're giving them? Where does that leave you? Uh, and ultimately, it, it leaves you facing the person in the mirror. Um, so I, I'm presenting this both-and scenario, uh, the, the kind of, I guess, the cliche that uh, if we're going to pour into others to pour from uh, a cup that is um, that has something in it as opposed to uh, pouring from an empty cup. Yeah, well, that, that makes sense. And to sort of bolster your idea from a Christian perspective, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about how we're new creations in Christ. And mm-hmm. if our identity is in Christ and Christ is in us, which Christians believe, then if we love Christ, we love ourselves because we are little Christians. So the word Christian means little Christ. And so yeah. it, it's not that we're, you know, narcissistic like you were saying, but but we do value ourselves because Christ is in us and we've died to ourselves and that's the whole new creation idea. So that's yeah, I, I certainly follow what you're saying. Um now now I know as part of your dissertation process, you um scientifically define self love and you mm-hmm. came up with a definition. Um, would you be willing to share that with the listeners, uh, how you define self-love? Sure. And <clears throat> this was done through an expert panel. Uh, we started out with uh, 25 experts, and uh, we had 18 experts, uh, actually, uh, that were involved in four different rounds of revisions. And this was what the uh, composite definition of self-love came out to be that uh, was endorsed by that expert panel. A compassionate process of developing and practicing self-acceptance and self-care, an ongoing intrinsic process of becoming that fosters self-awareness, self-worth, wholeness, and authenticity. A multidimensional process of self-acceptance that is reflected in relationships with others, a self-valuing treatment of non-judgment, forgiveness, and reducing shame, a self-discipline nurturing well-being of the whole person, unconditional positive self-regard that is validating, caring, and encouraging both in and out of life adversities. Wow, that was a, that was a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of stuff there. But, you know, I heard so many things in there, though, that counselors would probably catch on to. I mean, like in in your very first sentence, you talked about self-care. And I'm like, oh, my Mm -hmm. goodness. I mean, you know, in our field, and and really not just counseling, but, you know, social Mm -hmm. work, marriage and family, psychology, everyone, I mean, self-care these days is a big deal. And if we we don't do self-care, which is part of self-love, like you're saying – 
you know, we burn out, we, we don't last long in this field. It's part of sustainability and mental health. So that, that makes perfect Absolutely. sense. Yeah. 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 And, and that self-care, uh, that was really, uh, more or less at the top of the heap in terms of what was most highly ranked in terms of the definition of self-love. And it, it came not necessarily to, uh, behavioral practices, maybe more cognitive practices of self-compassion and self-empathy. Um, so again, retiring that self-critic that uh, it seems to be so common uh, for so many of us. And I, I know we've been talking a lot in Christian terms here, but one thing that I really like about this is that this is relatable to any person. Uh, regardless of whether you identify as Christian or a person of faith or uh, atheist, agnostic, uh, Buddhist, monk, uh, whatever it is, um, this this concept is still, uh, again, pervasive to the human experience. So uh, it, its application, I think, um, kind of stretches uh, across all different types of populations. Yeah. Um, I, I certainly follow that from a Christian perspective. Um, like I, I think about um, Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no mm -hmm. condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, mm -hmm. so, so we can practice self-acceptance, like you're saying, because God forgives us. Um, and, and, you know, and we, we don't, we can't, well, we shouldn't condemn ourselves because God doesn't condemn us. And so that, that, that I certainly follow that from a Christian perspective. I, I wonder... How would people from other faith perspectives interpret that about self-acceptance? I mean, do they? Um, I, I, I don't. I'm not. I don't. I'm not aware of how they interpret all this. Have you Have you encountered others from other faith perspectives and how they interpret self-acceptance with their with their faith? Well, th this might be a little bit out of my um, area of expertise since I work mostly with Christians. Okay. But um, if you look at it maybe from um, maybe just uh, different cultures that, that could be more patriarchal in nature, um, or maybe uh, even here in this country from a family systems perspective where maybe uh, uh, one or both parents were more on uh, the uh, aggressive side uh, in terms of their parenting style. Uh, and then, um, again, if we kind of relate it back, um, seems like we keep bringing it back to Christianity, um, for individuals maybe who, uh, cut their teeth, uh, in, in their, uh, faith in more of a, uh, religious tradition that we might say was, uh, more legalistic, uh, in kind of its value and, and and belief, uh, that really is kind of promoting uh, for someone to uh, think of themselves in, in, in a negative or critical way. Uh, and, and so it's no surprise that you see that showing up so often in the counseling process. Yeah, we, we certainly deal with a lot of shame on the part of our clients where they just feel condemned and so forth. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's so common. Goodness. Yeah. 
Um, another thing that jumped out at me in your definition was um, about halfway through, you talk about a self-valuing treatment of non-judgment, forgiveness, and reducing shame. And mm-hmm. so that that that's that really resonates with me on so many levels. Um, I mean, from a, obviously from my own Christian perspective, but about being non-judgmental, you know, because if God is our judge, you know, who are we to, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, become the second judge of ourselves and, you know, right, get, right. get get another mm-hmm. gavel and <laughs> I'm yeah. horrible, whatever. And of course that gets me nowhere except, you know, depressed and everything. And so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and these are all coping strategies, of course, if I uh, beat myself up enough, um, then maybe I'll be a better Christian or maybe I'll be able uh, to be a greater service to people, or maybe I'll be able to be uh, a better employee. But then um, at some point, uh, uh, the logical outcome of of that type of approach is that a person is going to not be feeling well, whether it's uh, anxiety uh, would be a typical outcome, or it could be depression, or it could be uh, fractures in in relationships. just, you know, the, the difficulty to function because they're spending so much time, uh, you know, kind of beating themselves up and not really accepting um, this unmerited grace that is offered to us if we're, if we're looking at it from a Christian perspective. Yeah, definitely. The, the, it makes a lot of sense in so many levels. Well, well let me ask you this, too. Um, you're dealing with really big concepts here. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, I love self-love, even the title of it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I hear people say, you know, they love ice cream, they love French fries, they love their cousin, they <laughs> you know, they love all these different things. <laughs> so so how, yeah. do you, how do you define self-love? Because, um, you know, it, it just, it seems like such a big concept. Like, where, where do you, yeah. how, how do you define it? Well, honestly, I really feel like our field has been defining it, but they've been labeling it something else. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, whether it's you know object relations or uh, you know cognitive distortions, uh, whatever uh, is the theoretical orientation, it's it's embedded in there somewhere, right? But when we talk about love, it's such a multi-layered, multifaceted, complex uh, type of concept that there's this idea that uh, as researchers, that it's not really a concept that we can define. Uh, And maybe I am the type of person that um, rejects that kind of idea. Um, uh, Maybe I even have some cynicism that um, we're all essentially saying the same thing, uh-huh. but we're not calling it what it is. And so my idea is, well, why don't we just call it what it is and let's define it. Uh-huh. Let's start researching it. Let's uh, figure out uh, what the correlation is between self-love and uh, our psychological relationship and, and, and career problems. And, uh, if there is a relationship there, which it would be surprising to me uh, to discover that there wouldn't be a relationship there, 
um, then okay, let's let's start uh, coming up with the interventions that are going to be uh, uh, you know uh, demonstrating some efficacy uh, to help people with their problems. And again, I'm not really saying anything new here, but mm-hmm. what I am doing that's new is I'm trying to call something what it actually is. Mm-hmm. And from a Christian perspective, um, I think this really becomes a, a wonderful opportunity because if, if Christians are, uh, essentially supposed to be, or, um, invited into this opportunity of being practitioners of their faith through those commandments of Christ of loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. Well then, okay, here's this wonderful opportunity to start working on the self piece. It's interesting. I'm I'm sure uh, Dr. Knapp, uh, you, you probably have had some similar experiences, but, um, I guess one of the things that uh, I've always maybe felt a, a twinge of sadness about is um, it, it seems like oftentimes Christians aren't really doing all that much better than people who don't identify as Christian or, or persons of faith. And uh, gosh, I wish that that weren't the case. And so, could it be that it's this uh, absence of self-love that's kind of at the root of that? Yeah, I'm probably so. I mean, I mean, Lord knows, people are people are people. <laughs> you know, whatever their right. their faith system is and belief, they all struggle with the same stuff. And um, mm-hmm. and you know, I like that you're really working at defining and really operationalizing love because. You know, everyone talks about love all the time, and um, it, it's yeah. sort of it's like the pinnacle of re- relationships. You know, everyone, all all the different therapy fields listening to us right now, they all work with relationships, and the pinnacle mm-hmm. of that for all of them is love. And so, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it, it really is highly valued. And goodness, when I think of so many other things in our culture too, I mean, like like music, for example. I mean, the other day I was looking on the computer about, you know, the top songs that have sold the most over the decades. And, you know, every one of them was about love. Yeah. You know, something love right. this or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, Whitney Houston and Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You and songs mm-hmm. like that, you know. And so there, there's certainly, you know, interest there. Um, but l- l- let me sort of flip things here for a second, though. Yeah. You know, l- let's just say there. You know, we got a lot of listeners, and you know, let's say there's somebody out there that's a little skeptical or something like that. And let me play the devil's advocate for a minute. Um, why do you think we should care about self-love? Well, wh- why, why does it matter? Well, the um, one of the things that I guess I would point to is a. Uh, a, re- a question that I was asking of the expert panel, uh, which is how, how would uh, counseling that is centered on the concept of self-love impact clients that are receiving that kind of counseling? Uh-huh. And let me just read a few of the things that uh, came out from um, uh, the expert panel that reached the level of consensus. Lowered suicidal impulses. Decreased depression and anxiety, more autonomy, increased self-esteem, 
lower guilt and shame, making healthier relationship choices, uh, improved mental wellness, increased coping skills, a reduction in self-harm. And I could go on. Um, that's uh, a little bit less than half of what came out as consensus items in the study. And again, um, I don't want to be presumptuous here because this is outside of the definition of self-love. All of the other research findings um, have not yet been demonstrated. So these are anecdotal coming out of uh, an expert panel. However, um, even if just some of those uh, come out uh, and are shown uh, and, and validated through ongoing research, those are some pretty big ticket items. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, the things you were describing there and the way you got to it sounds more like qualitative research, but, but I mean, those things you mentioned, goodness gracious, I mean, lower suicide rates. I mean, we've got really elevated rates right now with all the stress and anxiety with COVID and all that. Mm -hmm. Less depression and anxiety. I mean, anxiety rates are way up. Um, yeah. All, all, all these things are great. I mean, um, I mean, you've got me curious now. To be honest, um, um, I mean, since and since you did your dissertation on this, let me ask: What else did you learn through your research, and maybe what was surprising to you as you tried to define self-love, and and what you found in your research? I'm just really curious. Yeah, one of the interesting outcomes of the research was, and hopefully this doesn't get too much into the technical weeds of of uh, of uh, research jargon and such, but um, up until um, the research that I had conducted, all of the uh, literature was basically speaking to this idea of a dual process model. Again, uh, speaking to, uh, if we look at it from a Christian perspective, um, that you both love yourself and you love your neighbor, that there isn't a differentiation between the two. You can't really practice one without the other um, and uh, remind me uh, ask me about the two for one deal after I after I uh, tell you about this okay. um, and um, in the research what came out is that the panel actually thought that um, it, it didn't have to be this dual process model of uh, essentially, whatever you're practicing with one, you're practicing with another um, in terms of you know loving yourself or loving others. Um, they were saying that actually there are scenarios where it can be a single process model where uh, you're just loving others or you're just loving yourself. And so uh, that, that was um, somewhat of a new finding uh, in this in this research that um, it's not uh, exclusively self-love is not exclusively a dual process model that it, it could be practiced um, uh, more as an individual uh, type of practice, whether it's, you know, loving yourself or, um, uh, you know, uh, well, let, let me go back here. Um, so the single process model, is a, of course, it's just going to be focusing more on loving yourself without there necessarily being a tie to others. Uh -huh. But all the literature up until now had 
uh, tie the two together as a dual process model. So that was interesting, and, and that uh, that deserves some more research just to flush that out a bit. So what, what exactly does that look like? Yeah, well, you make a great point. Like when you think about only loving yourself but not your neighbor, I mean, I guess that's what, narcissism? But, but then, yeah. but then every one of us is a neighbor to somebody else. So if you mm-hmm. don't love your neighbor, there's some, I guess, hypocrisy or something there. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, and again, um, inconsistency. The, the, maybe. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, but that maybe it, it doesn't have to come with a type of disregard towards others, but, um, maybe there is an aspect that you can just be practicing it more uh, uh, in the relationship with yourself. Um, so that was just a, a, a little uh, wrinkle that was different from what all the literature had talked about in regards to a dual process model. Hmm. Uh, that is interesting. I, I mean, I'd love to hear more about that. But what about that two-for-one deal you were mentioning? What, what, what's that about? So one of the interventions that that I tend to kind of focus on. So if you have a client who is uh, coming in and expressing their frustrations about their relationships with others, um, the two-for-one deal is work on the relationship with yourself. And that will play out if you subscribe to the dual process model, which I, which I think I... I uh, subscribe to that probably a little bit more that, um, and, and you see that too. It, it's almost kind of a derivative of that second commandment of Christ, loving your neighbors yourself. Um, kind of midway through the definition there, it says a multidimensional process of self acceptance that is reflected in relationships with others. So in other words, if I'm having trouble with, uh, a friend or a family member or a coworker or, you know, someone in church or what have you, um, the work is with myself. If I work through the issue with myself, that, that is going to flow out into that relationship with the other person. And so I don't have to necessarily, uh, focus too heavily on the relationship with the other person. Yeah, there might be some things that I might have to do, like expressing myself or, uh, you know, addressing the elephant in the room with whatever's going on in that relationship. But there's always this work to do with yourself first. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, and that's a two-for-one deal. Well, that, yeah, that makes sense. Like when I think about, like I've heard people say before, if somebody does you wrong, you, you don't have to wait for them to apologize before you forgive them. And then right. when, when you forgive them, then you're you're more okay with it and you're at peace. And then, you know, you're not like waiting on them. You're not dependent on them, but then they still benefit from you not having ill towards them and you being open yeah. to a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense. Well, this is this is neat. I mean, I, I can totally see how this can go so many directions with research, but it's neat to see the research backing up your, I guess, your general idea to begin with that self-love does have all kinds of positive connotations and outcomes. 
Yeah, and uh, two, uh, when a, a question was asked of the panel, how could this be utilized uh, in counseling? Uh, there were also some uh, some wonderful things that uh, came out there, uh, healing uh, mentally and physically, uh, fostering self-awareness, uh, fostering self-compassion, changing negative thoughts. It could be incorporated into sessions and homework, um, fostering uh, that unconditional self-acceptance, promoting self-worth, uh, fostering self-care mentally, spiritually, and physically. So, uh, again, um, the panel really felt like there were a lot of utilizations um, of uh, an approach that was focused on self-love. And if you buy into the idea that we're all basically saying the same thing, right? It's just what is the nomenclature and what uh, are the terms uh, that we're using. Um, and if uh, self-love is really central to who we are as human beings, I mean, you think about it the relationship that we're always guaranteed to have from the, the moment we're conceived up until uh, we draw our last breath um, is the relationship with ourself, but it is oftentimes the relationship that uh, receives the most neglect. Um, and, and that's, we might be able to opine uh, the reason why so many of our clients come to see us to get right with the person in the mirror. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Goodness, well, I feel like we, we've sort of covered everything from soup to nuts here <laughs> in the conversation. <laughs> we, I mean, we've talked about God and faith and counseling and self-love, and, and you've, you've talked about some of the implications for, for therapy, like the way it creates healing mentally and physically and so forth. Um, where, where do you see this going? Like, where do we go from here with this whole concept? Like, is, is there other research going on from others besides yourself with this? Or are, are there people working on more uh, interventions from this idea? Or I guess, where, we get, where do we go? <laughs> yeah, I, I think at this point, this is an invitation uh, for us to um, see if, if, if we want to uh, – engage and, and continue this, this research project. Um, for me, uh, this, this is a, uh, a burden that I have and a good burden. Um, but, uh, the idea of course would be that, um, we would now, um, be able to put together, uh, an inventory or an assessment that would measure for self-love. Once that uh, instrument has been put together, uh, and validated then um, to start using it in the clinical environment to see exactly what the nature of the relationship is between self-love and these various disorders that um, we see in our clients that we work with. And if we're seeing that there is a relationship there, i.e. that the absence of self-love is related to um, lowered levels of um, uh, psychological health and relationship health, for example, 
then uh, to start to tailor interventions and, uh, again, to research uh, the efficacy of those interventions uh, until we get to a place where we're able to say, okay, uh, here, here is an approach uh, that has been demonstrated and backed up by the research that will help. So um, it, it's essentially working towards a therapy or uh, a theory of self-love that we would be using with our clients. And uh, I, I'm sure there may be people that are looking at this, but I'm not aware specifically of anyone other than myself that is uh, actively uh, researching this, this concept. So um, if, if anyone out there is interested, uh, this, this is uh, an invitation um, well, uh, to see, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, well, you've done your dissertation on it, and so that certainly mm-hmm. sets the stage. And, um, I mean, your idea here following this up with an inventory and instrument on self-love, that that's certainly dissertation-worthy. Um, that, that'd sure. be a, a lot of item analysis work and all that. And um, mm-hmm. So that, that sounds really neat. Um, we are getting about to that time, so um, I, I always try to – end my podcast by asking guests, is there anything that I haven't asked you yet that you really have on your heart to share? Because I know sometimes when I, you know, go down these lists and ask questions, I go down rabbit trails and we might miss something. So I guess final question, any any, any final points you want to make for the audience about self-love or anything else? Uh, I, I guess uh, just really the heart behind all of this is this idea of um, regardless of uh, what your situation and circumstance has been, what you've gone through, what uh, you know behaviors you've engaged in, that you still have this opportunity to not condone those experiences from the past, but um, to practice that grace and uh, to be able to tell yourself uh, a different story about your life that is coming from a place of uh, that self-compassion, that self-empathy, um, and, and that this is something that's available to us. And <clears throat> we look at self-care as being such a huge component of self-love. Maybe it's easier for us to get our heads around the idea of self-care, um, but that really is central to uh, a definition of self-love that came out in this research, and that all of us qualify, all of us, for that uh, self-compassion and that self-empathy, and maybe that's our ticket to psychological and relationship and, and overall wellness, and so that is, that's my hope for Anyone who may be listening or anyone that uh, maybe uh, might be interested to look into uh, this this type of idea. Okay. Well, that's great. Let me ask you this. Um, if there is someone listening who goes, man, I'd love to do more research on this. This is really cool, and I click with this, or maybe they're in a graduate program. Um, how would you want someone to get in contact with, with you if they wanted to follow up and do more research on this? Um, well, um, I, I guess 
point them to uh, uh, my webpage, which is uh, riseandrenew.com. And there's a, a place there to uh, make contact. I have my contact information there. And uh, yeah, that, that would be a good starting point. Well, that sounds like a great plan there. Uh, anyone listening, that's riseandrenew.com. So um, thank you, Dr. Underwood, for joining us today. We really appreciate it. And uh, I, I know this concept is a little different than some of the other things we've talked about here. So I love the variety, and, and you certainly fleshed it out for everyone. So we really appreciate that. Well, thanks so much for having me, Dr. Knapp. It's certainly been a privilege, and uh, I appreciate being able to talk about this with you and your listeners. All right. Well, we, we appreciate you coming too. So with that, everyone, thank you for joining us today in the podcast and tune in next time for our next edition of the Mental Healthy Podcast. And thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Joining us today as well. We hope you enjoy the podcast and learn something new every time. And we'll look forward to seeing you all in the next podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Mental Healthy. Please be sure to subscribe for more episodes and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. You can find this podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. We hope you join us next time for more on Mental Healthy. Music for this podcast is licensed under Creative Commons by Excel Music Publishing at freemusicpublicdomain.com. Thank you.